into One Bills Live. Maddie Glab aside, Steve Tasker, <laughs> our Bills legend here on Man Oh Man. The 2023 schedule is out. If you're watching on MSG, you just got to see that cool video that we did to release the schedule right before we had our schedule release show that Chris Brown and I were a part of. Uh, a lot of things to take away to bite on, to get ready for, for this upcoming season for the Buffalo Bills. It's going to be a tough schedule, but I'm a really big fan of the way that it was laid out. And we're going to get into all of that throughout the entire show. It is a jam-packed week here, uh, especially yesterday and today. It does <laughs> not feel like the offseason at One Bills Drive, and that's because rookie minicamp is underway right now. We're going to be able to show some video of that as soon as the open portion ends here soon enough. We're also going to hear from Sean McDermott and some of the rookies later in the show. We hope that lines up so we can air some of it on here. Uh, but it is back to being busy in this building. You couple that with schedule release and I'm like, what off season? <laughs> right. Yeah. You can. They they line everything up on the calendar. Awesome. And uh, we've got stuff to talk about year round. This is no different. This was. Um, we had some good shows. People really want to talk about the schedule. Yeah. They're really interested because, for a lot of people, you kind of got a trip planned in there somewhere. Right. It's part of your vacation. Part of your fun of the fall, the autumn. Uh, I'm no different. I got family members who want to come up to we games. We can finally plan. Yeah, the you next can plan your trips of our lives. Yeah, and they can. You can start watching the airlines jack their prices yeah. up, knowing <laughs> what the schedules are. I, they do. So all of that's pretty cool. I and you know, everybody can call us. I mean, if you got thoughts about the schedule, yeah, please. We Open knew line. it's hard to get around the fact it was going to be a hard schedule. We're playing our own division, which has gotten better. Miami and the Jets are really looking like like better football teams than they did a year ago or even two particularly two years ago. Um, and then we play the AFC West with the Chargers, the Broncos with their new head coach, Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. And then of course the Kansas city. Uh, and then you've got Cincinnati on that schedule as well, along with Tampa Bay. It's, it's a rough schedule. The NFC East with the Cowboys, Giants, and the NFC champion Philadelphia Eagles. Um, you knew it was going to be a hard schedule, and there were going to be stretches in it that looked rough. But, but I kind of like the way it felt. Okay, because I was going to say, I you're, you're the describing way it, it as being a tough schedule, which we know that. We know it's, um, and we've seen a lot of different rankings, you know, fifth hardest schedule, seventh hardest schedule. It's up there in terms yeah. of one of the hardest schedules in the NFL this season across the 31 other teams. But with that... You know, the schedule makers can – they could have created a few tough stretches for the Bills there. And not that you ease your way into the season. It is back-ended in, in terms of when the games start to get really tougher because you think of playoff implications and, you know, the identity that teams will then have in the second half of the season of knowing who they are, knowing what they are, and knowing what they're after. Um, but I love how it's laid out. Is You look at it that way too? Yes, I do. I mean, the Jets Jets are tough, but you get them opening weekend, you're going to be at your healthiest. You get a chance to take a shot at them on the road as well. Uh, the Bills did it last year against the world champions and and played really well in that opening game. I would expect nothing less this year. Um, then you've got the Raiders, who I think are still looking to find themselves under Josh McDaniels. Jimmy week, Garoppolo. Week two is going to be too, too soon for that team to I, – Right. 
with all the newness that that roster has. And like, it's tough playing in Buffalo on a home opener. Yeah. So the Raiders are going to have true. that up. Go to Washington against the Commanders. Um, I was looking at – I and I honestly, now that I've read it a couple of times, I still can't remember their quarterback's name. Um <laughs> He's a young kid, and I can't remember his name. Then you go. Then you've got Miami at home in October first. Um, weather should still be okay there here in Buffalo. Uh, and incidentally, you've got Miami on Week 18 as well. So we're going down there in January, which is perfect uh, for that. Uh, that works out best. Come here when it's nice weather, and go there when it's nice weather. Jacksonville, the Giants, the the Patriots, the Buccaneers. Um, the schedule stacks up really well in the beginning of the season for Buffalo. And, you know, they do have a home game against Miami. Then they've got a home, technically a home game against Jacksonville, then a home game against the Giants. So you've got three straight home games right. if the, you really the, want to call it The finger it that. quotes in the middle home game there is You're the one in London. London. Yeah, so it's a road game. It's a very At the very least, it's a neutral site game, but at the worst, it's a home game for Jacksonville because they've got a footprint over there. That's true, and what did we talk about a, a couple <clears throat> days ago on Monday, that that could be an option, but it also could be an option that is looked at as not just the Bills playing against the Jaguars, but whoever was going to get that team the second week that the Jaguars right. would be in London could be looked at as a competitive advantage for the Jaguars. You know the lay of the land. You're, you're not caught up on, on the time change. You've been there for almost two weeks at the point that they're going to face the Bills. We'll see uh, if it turns out to be something like that in that game. And we heard from the Jags head coach in his press conference. I caught it on Good Morning Football, and he said, I would rather play the Bills in London than in Buffalo because oh, yeah. we're going to be there for that point that's at, right. for two weeks. For sure. And think about it. That's uh, And that's uh, there are other teams with more difficult schedules than Buffalo as well. I mean, that's one other way to look at it. Like New England Patriots have a, much dip more, have a more difficult schedule yeah. than Buffalo. You know why? Is because Buffalo makes their schedule harder and New England makes ours easier. Yes, yes. By playing them twice. Yes. So – uh, because of the expectations and, and the way they finished last year. So it's virtually the same schedule as a couple of other teams in the division. Uh, but because Buffalo's a better team, they've got a tougher schedule. And as you look at the schedule as a whole and, and start to break it into pieces, uh, the AFC East, the division games, you mentioned that the, the Bills are going to play the Dolphins in Buffalo in October, and then they'll head to Miami uh at the end of the season in week 18 there. And the weather factor was such a big deal for these two teams last year when it was completely flipped. And you remember that there was that scorcher of a game at the end of September in Miami that the Bills had to be in. And, you know, you never know what the weather is going to be. Would it be the same case if we were in Miami in October 1st? Who knows? Um, but I like the way it's laid out that, that way for the Bills and the Dolphins. The Bills will get a break from the cold December-January weather as they head to Miami in Week 18. But that Week 18 game against the Dolphins, TBD. It's TBD because this game could have huge implications right. with playoffs, with the AFC East champion. I mean, 
That's right. The Dolphins last year, not an easy team to face. It was a no. team that started to put it together. It was a team with Tyreek Hill. It was a team that was better with Tua Tungavailoa. And now you add Vic Fangio to their defense as their defensive coordinator. You add Jalen Ramsey to the mix. I know they didn't have a lot of draft picks, but the Dolphins should be able to take that next step forward if their quarterback can stay healthy and you look at where that final game is placed in the regular season and it could be a a tough one for the Bills or it could be a tough one for the Dolphins depending on who's the healthier team. This could also be a team that the Bills face again in the playoffs. You're looking at the Dolphins and the Jets as two opponents who the Bills could very very well get in that first round of the playoffs and that divisional um, or in that wild card matchup like they did last year were able to beat the Dolphins by just a few points and and then that week one game against the Jets we talked about it on Monday our, our question for our followers and listeners uh, it was what do you want that week one game to be and a lot of people right. wanted it uh, to be against the Jets I love that you just start this season in that way you're hopefully going to get the best of the best Chris and I Chris and I talked about this in the show yesterday is a question, a storyline for that matchup is going to be, is Von Miller ready to go by week one? Um, That'll be a question. I think that'll be a big factor as well um, for that defensive line for Buffalo. And the Jets have have an incredible defense. They were a top five defense last year. I would expect the same uh, this year as well. You add Aaron Rodgers to the mix and a whole lot of offensive pieces. And this is going to be a game that a lot of people are going to watch. NFL fans, people who aren't even NFL fans who who just happen to be hanging out with a friend or or a partner on that Monday night. I mean, that's going to be must-see TV. Yeah, this is – it's the first of a bunch of games that the Bills have that are in prime time, no question. Uh, They've got six of them. But they've also only – they only have five – one o'clock Sunday afternoon yeah. games. Five. The rest of them are at four twenty-five, eight twenty, nine thirty a.m. from London, uh, eight p.m. <laughs> on a on a you know on the on the t- December twenty-third on a Saturday. It it's uh they I guess we a lot of us are reminded that people around the country really want to watch this team and the and the, the networks know it. CBS has got three. 425 windows for the Buffalo Bills in a row. And then Four Fox, in a row. And then Fox has the next one. Uh, it's, yeah, people want to see this team play. Um, let's not forget. Uh, as, as the, we can say that what we want about last year's offseason when we were almost uncomfortable with how favored the Bills were to go to and win the Super Bowl, I think most people are more comfortable here being overlooked. But, yeah, the network's no better. They, uh, the Bills are still going to be must-watch television, and they're going to be splattered all over the national airwaves. And, it, and it's, you know, it's a compliment to the organization, to Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott, all the guys on the team. People want to see this team play. Yeah, six straight – or not six straight, but six primetime games overall. Um, that December 23rd game, week 16, that's an 8 o'clock kick – on Saturday, um, that's on Peacock, so a little bit interesting there. Um, three straight 8 o'clock kicks for the Bills, and then they go into four straight 425 games. So 
it's anything but one o'clock kicks in the <laughs> middle of the season there because you're going to be on s- seven straight weeks of games that aren't one o'clock. And it, it's interesting because since I've been covering this team and, and Chris said it, I think it's they haven't had this many 425 kicks since 2009. This has right. not been a 425, a four o'clock team as of the last few years. And it's great to get that four o'clock slot because that's when everybody still has their TV on from the one o'clock games. People yeah, are tuning in to the afternoon games almost as much as they are the primetime games. The 425 is the big window for networks. It's an enormous ratings grab. Uh, because as as you start kicking at eight twenty, people start to fade after halftime. Yeah. They kind of get done with it, uh, particularly after a big Sunday of football. But the four twenty five game, depending on the matchup, and in this case it'd be the Jets, Eagles, Chiefs, Cowboys. Ain't nobody going anywhere. They're watching all of that game, those games with the Bills and those teams. Um, it'll be really, it's going to be a really fun year, and not for nothing for Bills fans. Three of their first four games kick off at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. They're at home against the Raiders mm-hmm. for their home opener. Then they go to Washington at a 1 o'clock game. They come back, and they got Miami at a 1 o'clock game. And then, of course, the London game against Jacksonville is at 9.30 a.m. on a Sunday, which yeah, I'm, I'm going to reserve judgment on. I can't even get my mind around having a 9.30 game. <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's nice for the Bills fans because it'll be two home games – um, that, you know, going to be here in September. It's going to be fun. It's an incredible schedule for weather in Buffalo. Yeah. The first half of the season is loaded with home games, which you love because it's going to be better weather to play in. I, I know some people, and it's a it's a viable argument that yeah. the cold weather could be an advantage for the Bills. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't think – you could survey the entire team and every single guy would say, yeah, put all the games, home games, at the end of December and early January, we want to play in the cold. It's nice that this team gets their front half of the schedule in Buffalo when the weather, I mean, falls are incredible here. I'm a big fall is elite person in Buffalo, and the fans are going to get that. The players are going to get that. And then at the end of the season, you're going to be traveling to some warmer weather states and cities when it could be pretty cold here, when the weather could be pretty crappy here, and maybe you don't want a home game in Buffalo in January or at the end of December. But the other side of the coin there is you're not going to get home field advantage at the end of the year when home field advantage in some of those games truly matters and and could be a difference maker I get it and that's true no question the crowd makes a difference no matter whether the weather's good or bad but I'll say this when you got a team like Buffalo when you got a team that's good man it don't matter just the weather uh, you want the conditions to be as good as you can yeah and that's what you get even if you do go on the road yeah even if you do go on the road on in week 18 down in Miami We've all we've all know when you're playing good and stuff that that turns into a fun game. Yeah, Bills Even, Mafia will yeah, travel for that travel game really too. Travel really well. That's uh, one thing you don't got to worry it's, about. It's a couple of weeks after the holidays. Mm-hmm. Uh, people will make plans to be there. It's going to be a fun game, um, and they'll have and before that, the week before that, they'll have the the uh, New England Patriots at one o'clock Sunday afternoon, December thirty first game. There's your there's your winter time game right yeah. there. New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve against the Patriots at home. 
no holiday games for this team this year. And there were a lot of slots where it could have happened. You know, you have a Black Friday game. Mm -hmm. You have a few on Christmas Eve and a few on Christmas Day. You've got the Thanksgiving option. And it seems like every year they're just adding, adding another game to the holiday window because they get such incredible numbers. Uh, Bills were one of those teams where I'm sure they thought about putting them on one of those days, but they end up not being on any of those days. And fans and, and people like us who cover the team and are and our players may say, phew, it's nice to have a, a season off of not playing on Thanksgiving or not playing on Christmas Eve because maybe that means I get an extra day with family or I can watch the games that are happening on Christmas Eve and, and Christmas Day and Thanksgiving. Are you a fan of this team having a year off of, of not being yeah. a part of the holiday matchups? Yeah, I, yeah, I am. I, I'm, I'm fine. I like, I like this schedule. What can I say? I, whether it's on the Thanksgiving or not, I, I'm, I'm all about it. Um, I know this too, probably, and I, I don't know this for sure, but if I'm Jerry Jones and the Cowboys, I'm saying, hey, we don't want Buffalo on, on Thanksgiving. We'd rather have the Commanders. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? We'd rather because the Bills have – Thumped them pretty good. Yeah. Uh, the the Detroit Lions and the and the uh, Cowboys. The, yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm thinking that the other teams, the Detroit Lions and the Dallas Cowboys, are all right with not having a Buffalo game on Thanksgiving as well. Yeah. What was that in 2020? Was it 2020 when the Bills beat the Cowboys and and that, that was, was really the coming out party for Josh? Right. Allen. That was really the arrival. Yeah. That I think, was an when, incredible game to watch. Yeah, oh my was, gosh, I was, was so elated fun. watching that. And then the Bills get a Week 13 bye. Last year they had a Week 7 bye, so it was in the beginning of the season. And if you're a team who's going to play in Europe and London and Germany, one of those cross-country games, you can take a bye week after you come back from London or Germany or wherever it is. But the Bills choose to say, we're good. We'll take our bye week at a different time. I love a week 13 bye. There's actually five other teams that have a week 13 bye. Um, One of the last weeks you could have a bye in the season. Week 14 is the last one and it's Arizona and Washington that have their buys on week 14 and week 13 it is the Giants Minnesota Las Vegas Chicago Buffalo Baltimore all those teams have their buy in week 13 um, Great time to have a buy. It really is. As a I'm, former player I'm all about it. are you you're a fan of the later yeah, buys or does I, it really am, not matter as much as people make it out to be. I was around when they started it. Okay. And everybody, the big question was, is it a good time for the buy? Yeah. Is this a good time for the buy? Is that a good time for the buy? And the question, and the answer is always, every week that you get a buy is a perfect time for the buy because you need the rest, no matter when it is. Um, th- back in the day, there were teams that had an opening ge- opening weekend oh, buy. Oh, gosh. Because they put them all the way out, you know? And, and, you know, they've tinkered with it and stuff. But it's always, for the players... It's always a good time for buy because mm-hmm. you hurt. I mean, it's just that simple. And you've always got some key player or an important player who's hurt, and you'd like to get them healthy. So, but week thirteen is nice because it does give you a chance to 
catch your breath before the last month of a push. Catch your breath yeah. before you face the Chiefs coming yeah. off of the Eagles game. I, I like the way that it's kind of placed in that way. Um, you also get a mini-buy, I would call it, after week eight. You face the Bucks on Thursday night football. And then week nine, you have the Cincinnati Bengals. And I would be begging for any extra time I could get to prepare for a team like the Cincinnati Bengals. This was a team that beat the Bills by 17 points in the playoffs and a a team that looked like they were on their way to have their way with the Bills when we faced them in Cincinnati um, when DeMar Hamlin unfortunately suffered that cardiac arrest. And it'll be tough to go back to Cincinnati on November 5th, um, week 9, Chris Brown said when we were taping the show, and I couldn't have agreed with him more, is it's nice that that is placed later in the season rather than it being a week one, two, or three game when, yes, this did happen last year, but it's nice that the team gets a few weeks or really the front half of the season before they have to deal with that because that's going to be a a mentally tough game. You're going to have to really – you're going to have to focus and, and figure out what you want to do with those extra added emotions. Yeah, to a game it will like be that. by that time you would like to think, and I'm sure it will be, it'll be DeMar's incident will be water under the bridge and you will have had nine, nine games with DeMar playing and being part of everything. It, it'll be great. Now um, how that affects the players may be something there, uh, but, yeah, nine weeks. You needed some time to get this and team. And they'll, they'll be in. They'll be a new team by then. You know, you always hear right. the guys say every year is different. Every year has a different identity. By week nine, that identity should be there. You should be a different team than you were the season yeah, you, before. As you get well. a chance to see this team yeah, totally. develop, yeah. and not last year's team. And mm-hmm. that'll that really helps. And I was, um, yeah, that made a lot of sense to me. That's I think that's a a bonus as well for this schedule. Would you rather have a tough stretch toward the end of the season like the Bills do, or would you rather have something like that maybe up more in the front half? Uh, it depends. If you're healthy, it doesn't really matter. I know, yeah. You know, that's the thing. You and always the, wonder about the health. At the, the back health. end, you'd like to save the, t- save the, back, the tough games until you're really hitting your groove, mm-hmm. but there's no guarantee that you're going to be missing a wheel or two by the time you get there. Like, you're missing Vaughn Miller and – Micah Hyde and, you know, last year Tredavious White might, you know, think about it. Took him a while. Von Miller goes out in the Thanksgiving game, and that's the same game Trey White actually starts to play. And they never – they played a half a game together. Um, Micah Hyde was out in week two. Uh, Those kind of things tend to derail this finger quotes chemistry that we all want to talk about and how, you know, even the uh, continuity that we talk about year over year. Injuries throw a wrench in that, and it's the great unpredictable nature of the league. So I, I, I would rather have it. It really doesn't matter, I don't think. Give, um, it, give it to us whenever. I've said it, that this Jet game to start out the Jets with Aaron Rodgers, awesome. Play them in week one. Yeah. You know, see if Get they've it got it together. See if they've got it together. Yeah. Because you've got to think the Bills are going to have it a little, pretty well together given their continuity. Uh, yeah, I would also say that this this is a team where I feel like you could even say it last year is – Younger teams or teams who who have a lot of new faces or maybe a new coaching staff, you kind of want the tougher games in the second half of the season because you want the first six weeks to figure out who you are. And with a team like the Bills, 
they already know who they are. They already know what they have. That core group has has been a part of this roster for several years together. You've got a quarterback who's who's now starting to be be looked at as a veteran, as well as as a bunch of your playmakers on on offense and defense. So this is a team who should be able to put it together pretty quickly. I mean, last year they they came out of the gate roaring. This was a team who who played some of their best football in the front half of the season. The big question for this team is going to be: Can they keep it consistent throughout the entire year? I know they won a bunch games at the end of the year um, but it was tough to win games at the end of the year it was tougher than it needed to be and and a lot of that could be pointed to and could go back to because this team wasn't healthy and that's what I, I kept saying in our schedule release show that we taped is can, can it's all like Sure, the end of the season, the Bills could be an incredible team. They should be an incredible team. But if they're faced with the same injury bug that they had this past season, you never know what could happen. And and I would hope that's not the case because I feel like this team had three years worth of injuries in one season last year. Yeah, it certainly felt that way. Particularly, I think um, for most people who watch the team closely like we do, it felt weird last year because it had been two years since they'd had any significant injury yeah. during the season, right? So you're going knock um, on wood. Hopefully, it doesn't happen right, next year. Right, exactly. So, um, yeah, last year was just it was just one more thing they they needed to overcome and and conspired against them. They couldn't do it in the end. So, um, it's also the one thing you can talk about and and not be able to have any idea how to predict it. I mean, it, you just don't know. I mean. Injuries, certainly there's going to be some. Every team suffers them. Who they who gets injured and how severe the injury is, there's no way to know, and it's the great unknown about the league. Yeah. Um, the <clears throat> statistic I saw even when, when I played was that the chances of an NFL player, any NFL player, getting injured during the season, the percentage of chance that they would get hurt was 100%. Yeah. Everybody does, and I, I knew that to be true in my own career. So you know it's going to happen, but man, oh, man, you cannot predict it. It, just, it is an absolute roll of a 12-sided dice. And our strength staff does a great job of making sure these guys are as ready as they can be from an avoiding an injury standpoint heading into the season. Workouts are a huge part of this off-season program for this team. They've been in the weight room this off-season already. They'll continue to do that. A lot of the muscle building and exercises that they do is in order to strengthen parts of your body so it's tougher to get injured. And I know that's going to be a big focus for the group this year, as it has been in, in years past. There's a reason the strength staff has remained consistent year after year after year because they do such a great job helping prepare these guys for a gauntlet of a season, for an 18-week season. Um, you got to be ready for the wear and tear on your body, especially if you're a player like Von Miller who's entering year 13 in his NFL career coming off of an ACL injury. Um It'll be interesting to to get eyes on him during training camp because we've heard some great updates from Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott that, you know, we, we believe he's, he's on time. I'm sure it's going to be the same thing of, you know, they're not going to want to set an exact date. They're going to allow Vaughn to come back when Vaughn is ready, just kind of like they did when, when Trey White was ready. They weren't going to say an exact date, an exact week. They were going to let 
his body figure itself out and make sure it was on par and, and a, agreeable with what the training staff was thinking as well. Yeah, it, it is one of the reasons why the culture here in Buffalo is gaining such a reputation. Even in a playoff game last year, the Bills held Daquan Jones out of that game, and they allowed uh, Harris um, – uh, Phillips to play, Jordan Phillips to play, uh, because he was ready. But mm-hmm. they do not in any way, shape, or form push players to play when they're not 100% ready. And I think players around the league and players who are looking at a place to play really appreciate that, knowing that they can make their own timeline and, be, and when they're ready to play, they'll be allowed to. All right, coming up next on One Bills Live, we've got ESPN NFL fantasy football analyst Mike Clay. He's going to join us and and talk about the NFL schedule, pick out some games, and and maybe where the Bills fit into uh, what they could do this upcoming season, how it compares to some some different teams as – You know, you want to start talking fantasy now. You want to start dreaming about what a team could look like, what your team could look like with bye weeks and all those things. So we'll have Mike Clay on next. Also, give us a call, 803-0550. Tell us your reaction to the schedule. We'll be taking calls throughout the show on One Bills Live. We're presented by Clyde Health on Buffalo Bills Radio. Welcome back to One Bills Live. Maddie Glab alongside my counterpart, Steve Tasker. It's a lovely Friday here at One Bills Drive. The sun is shining. The music is bumping. You can't hear it, though, because we're in this wonderful studio. But mandatory minicamp, not mandatory minicamp, rookie minicamp is happening right now out on the field. We'll have a bunch of coverage of that after practice wraps around 2 o'clock. We'll hear from Sean McDermott and several rookies uh, interested to see who we hear from. And hopefully we can carry it here on One Bills Live. But there's a lot of things going around here uh, this week. One thing we want to continue to discuss is the NFL schedule release and the Bills schedule. So joining us on the show is ESPN NFL fantasy football analyst Mike Clay to help dive into what the schedule looks like a little bit more. And, and Mike, I, I want to talk to you about everybody has some different schedule projections in, in terms of how many wins the Bills could have this season, along with the fact that the Bills have one of the toughest schedules out of the 32 NFL teams. You have Buffalo as having the second hardest schedule. Why do you think they've got such a tough stretch and such a tough year of games this season? And then you had their win projection at 11.7. So you do think they could win some of those really tough games. Do you want to discuss those two numbers that you had for the Bills? Yeah, so uh, we said this last year, and we can say it again. The (laughs) AFC is stacked. There's just so much talent on that side of the league, and it just keeps getting worse seemingly because you have Aaron Rodgers now joining uh, not only the AFC but also the AFC East. So, uh, you know, I think that four of the league's best defenses actually come out of the AFC East, right, just across the board. We know Buffalo is going to be terrific in that department. The Jets made a big leap last season, hit on some players in the draft, and uh, obviously, their head coach has a, had some great defenses in San Francisco. The Patriots are always terrific on the defensive side of the ball. And honestly, Miami stacked talent on paper. That might be one of the, certainly a top five defense on paper. So uh, that's going to make it a challenge for Buffalo on top of having won the division and having to play uh, the other division winners. And again, a really good AFC. Uh, they have the e- the Eagles on the schedule who are in the Super Bowl. They have the Chiefs on the schedule who won the Super Bowl last year. So just top to bottom, it is a really tough slate, and that really starts uh, within 
their very own division. But, you know, you mentioned the win total. Despite all that, the Bills are still one of the league's best teams, right? So they're going to give all these top teams a challenge. And I still think they'll be in that 11 to 12 win range. Uh, I think they're the favorite to win the AFC East and should be. So de- despite the schedule, I do still think they take the East and they'll remain a powerhouse in the NFL. And we see it every year that in the rotation of the divisional schedules where the, this year it's the West and the East and the Bills play and also they play the NFC East. Doesn't that also elevate the Dolphins and the Patriots? And seriously, like mm-hmm. the Patriots who play the Dolphins and the Bills, that makes the Bills and Dolphins schedules a little easier because of the, the expectations for the Patriots. And it makes the Patriots schedule that much harder, right? I mean, so it's kind of mm-hmm. within that AFC East that the that the toughest schedules around the league are. You're exactly right. In fact, the hardest schedule I have is New England, right? right. I have them with the hardest schedule just a pinch uh, tougher than the Bills. And part of that is because I have them projected to finish fourth in that division, which, again, is not a controversial take. I think everyone kind of agrees with that. So, uh, yeah, no doubt about it uh, that this applies to that entire division. It's going to be a challenge. Really, what it comes down to is how many wild cards come out of the division, right? I mean, you might have to win this division to get into the playoffs because some other divisions in the AFC might have a, a lighter slate and be able to sneak in an extra win or two and beat you out for a wild card. So, again, as long as the Bills do their job, you know, stay healthy. Obviously, they had a, a bunch of defensive injuries last year. If they could stay healthy this year and live up to the talent on paper, they should win this division. They shouldn't have to worry much about uh, the, the tough schedule. Mike, you are a fantasy football expert, and I, I want you to explain to us why schedule release, and beyond the obvious points, why schedule release really impacts how a person should should be looking at their fantasy football teams or their upcoming <laughs> fantasy football drafts now that we know what's slated for every single week. Yeah, so it definitely moves the needle a little bit. I will say this. I have, uh, you know, you just mentioned my strength of schedule is already public. I mean, we kind of knew, I mean, we did know the opponents yeah. all year long, right? So that's kind of been injected into our our fantasy projections and rankings within our game for months now. Um, but, you know, to answer your question specifically, look, if it moves the needle, maybe a few spots, right? This could be the de- deciding factor over if you take, say, Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen at quarterback, you might say, well, the Chiefs' schedule is easier. It's a close call. I'm going to lean that direction. So that is a factor. Again, I-, I would not be surprised if we see some low-scoring games within the AFC East. You know, if the-, the Bills play the Jets in week one, that could be a surprisingly low-scoring game because of how good the defensive play is there. So um, that concerns me a little bit with the teams in this division, including the Bills. On the other hand, you have teams like the Packers or the Saints and the teams in the NFC South. They have much easier uh, schedules this season. And that, of course, could uh, could lead to you know finding some fantasy sleepers or upgrading some of the star players on those teams. So uh, the nice thing, though, about the Bills is uh, they still have some depth concerns at wide receiver. And I say nice from a fantasy perspective uh-huh. because it means we know where the targets are going, right? Stavon Tiggs is in no jeopardy of seeing any sort of drop-off in targets. Gabe Davis should sustain a similar role. Hopefully they get him some more high percentage routes and targets as opposed to the Marquez Valdez Scantling role of just being a, a vertical threat. I'd like to see them evolve his game a little bit more. And of course uh, they bring in Dalton King Cage who should have a role uh, there at tight end. So I think the big, the big question, honestly, and maybe, maybe you guys have some, some feedback here is who the number one running back is going to be. Is it just <laughs> right. going to be a three headed committee? Are we going to see more right. Naheem Hines? Or are we getting that James Cook breakout? That's what I want to know. Yeah. That's an interesting question because the guys they brought in Latavius Murray and Naheem Hines and uh, uh, the other one who's escaping me now, the, the other running back, 
Damian Harris. Harris. Uh, yep. So they've got some candidates uh, yeah. for that. But it's always been their, I think, modus operandi to rotate those guys in and out. I don't know mm-hmm. that their running back spot here in Buffalo is ever going to be a fantasy killer uh, unless something changes drastically. I did want to ask you this. You mentioned, you know, playing defense in the AFC East. How do you, how tough is it to evaluate a defense when you know there's going to be new faces? And certainly we've seen Tremaine Edmonds move from the Bills to Chicago. And now you also have Sean McDermott calling the plays instead of Leslie Frazier. So there's a lot of unknowns mm-hmm. there. It's a lot like the Denver Broncos. Now Sean Payton's going to be calling the shots offensively with Russ Wilson. So there's, you know, there's a lot of unknowns in these teams. How do you evaluate their fantasy value looking at you know, a new head coach who's an offensive guy taking over and a defensive head coach who's taken over the defensive side? That, it's got to affect it in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think you just look at the resume. I mean, I trust Sean McDermott. I'll say that. I think he's going to get the most out of his defense. And we know he's had his hands on the defense or an NFL defense going all the way back to his early days, including Carolina. So uh, this is a defense that, you know, no matter who has called the plays or who has overseen it or what the personnel has been, they've gotten the most out of it. And it's been an effective defense injuries aside for uh, quite a long time. And then the other part of that is personnel, right? You mentioned Tremaine Edmonds. That was a big loss, but they're still a ton of talent, you know, hopefully Von Miller's healthy, even if he misses a couple of games, if he's a factor there, I really like the edge rushing group, the interior led by Ed Oliver and Jones, really good. The linebacker is a question spot behind Matt Milano. He's really good. But behind that, obviously there's some, some players that need to prove themselves corner. I still think will be good, right? You're hoping for a, a leap from Elam at uh corner mm-hmm. to go with a healthy Tredavious White. Remember he missed most of the last season or a big chunk of last season. Tron Johnson is one of the best slot corners in the NFL, and then you bring back Poyer and Hyde uh, at safety. So uh, I think top to bottom, talent-wise, I mean, these stack up with almost anyone. This should be a a top-five defense on paper. Um, They had some bad injury luck. If they stay healthy this year, I I think they'll be fine. And I'm not sure, you know, the play caller is going to matter much. It's not – it's not like it's an unknown calling the plays, right? Sean McDermott, one of the best in the business. In your article that you wrote after the schedules got released, uh, you projected AFC playoff seeds. I want to run through that with your, you. So number one, Chiefs. Number two, Bills. Three, Bengals. Four, Jags. Five, Dolphins. Six, Ravens. Seven, Chargers. Why did you think the two seed was a good spot for the Bills? You've got the Chiefs number one, and you've got the, the Cincinnati Bengals at number three. So why do you think the Bills could could have one up of the Cincinnati Bengals this season? Well, you know what? Um, I just wanted to stay on the good side of Bills fans, put them <laughs> up really high. You know, I've had a I've had a history at times of being. Uh, I try to be as objective as possible, uh-huh. and sometimes that has led me down a, a rough road <laughs> on social media with uh, with Bills fans. But uh, look, they're they're good. I mean, like I said, I think they're the top five team on paper. You have Josh Allen leading this offense. Um, I, I'd like to see, I, I wish they addressed the offensive line a little bit more, but I don't know that it's a huge factor with uh, Josh Allen leading this group. He's just so good at football and can do it all. And could, you know, if the line breaks down or someone's not open, he can make plays with his legs. Even if that's down a little bit, he's still such a good playmaker. And then of course, on the defensive side of the ball, as, as I just laid out they're they're pretty stacked. So um, I think that's a fair spot. I don't think anyone's going to really argue with the chiefs in the number one spot they're the defending Super Bowl champions are an absolute powerhouse. They've been better defensively than I think people realize and continue to add young players there that continue to get better and better. So, uh, yeah, I gave the Chiefs the edge. I think they are the the best team, but the Bills are right there with them. And if they can overcome uh, this tough schedule, maybe they do get, grab that one seed. It's certainly possible. 
Before we go, I know you said you you think the Bills are the best team in the AFC East and you expect them to win the division, but the Miami Dolphins and the New York Jets, uh, those two teams are significantly better. Uh, and for the Dolphins last year, there was a stretch in there where they were uh, white hot offensively. You, they were really tough to stop. What are your thoughts about the Jets and Aaron Rodgers' addition, how that's going to be, and plus we, we, the Bills play him on opening night on Monday Night Football. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts about the AFC East and how it falls behind the Buffalo Bills? Yeah, that I mean, first of all, that week one game is huge. That's right. maybe the game I'm looking forward to most because it's going to be an interesting measuring stick. I feel like there's a lot of people wondering if the Bills have kind of reached the end of this kind of run they've had, right? And are they about to fall off a cliff? The division's better? Or have they just kind of run out of steam now? I don't think that's the case, right? I still think they have the talent to make another run at the Super Bowl. Um, so it's going to be interesting measuring stick facing off with this Jets team that made a big leap defensively last season and now finally solves that hole at the quarterback position. So, uh, again, I, I have the Bills, uh, you know, early early line is about three and a half. That's where I sit. Um, I think they should be able to win that game, but I'm very intrigued to see how they stack up. By the way, the Jets, I mean, to answer your question, yeah, it's still a top 10 defense on paper, and I think you can make the case that it's a borderline top 10 offense now that they fixed the quarterback situation. And, by the way, we say they fixed the quarterback situation I think they did. I think we can all kind of buy into Aaron Rodgers still has probably another year of high end play left, but it didn't go great last year, right? He had his maybe the worst season of his career. So it's not for sure, especially with some suspect offensive line, a suspect offensive line situation. So again, yes, the Jets are better borderline top 10 team, but I don't think they stack up with the Bills just yet. One more question for me before we sign off here. Um, You have the Buffalo Bills player projections for this upcoming season. And for Josh, you have him throwing over 4,100 passing yards, 31 passing touchdowns. You've got Stephon Diggs at around 97 catches, over 1,200 receiving yards, and eight receiving touchdowns. Tell me how you came up with those numbers. Yeah, so a, a lot of factors here. Certainly looking at, uh, you know, injury rates is probably why they seem a little bit lower. People are generally a little high with mm-hmm. projections, but uh, which is why people like betting overs on uh, when the lines come out for player props. Generally, you want to lean under. Um, so that's why they might seem a pinch low, but these are some of the best numbers in the NFL. Yeah. Alan, you know, we have an, Alan and Diggs, honestly, we have several seasons of them together now. So in terms of rate stats and usage and average depth of target and throw, how they're going to be utilized scramble rates for Allen as far as the rushing numbers. We kind of have that laid down. So that's not a, that wasn't a super complicated process. The big one with NFL projections, it it just comes down to injury, right? I mean, if these guys hold up and miss no more than a game or two, these numbers should be pretty close to what they produce. It's just a matter of staying on the field, right? That's really the big one. Um, And and I know you guys are fully aware of that as the bills have had their, their ups and downs with the injuries over the years, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball last year. So again, I have digs, as a top six or seven wide receiver, mm-hmm. I have Allen second in my quarterback yeah. rankings. You could easily put him first. Mahomes, Allen, Hurts are all superstars. Uh, it should be another highly productive statistical season for this uh, this pass-heavy, high-volume Bills offense. Mike, thanks so much for spending some time with us. Really appreciate it. All right, you thank got you, it anytime. Mike. Appreciate it. That is Mike Clay of ESPN Fantasy Football Expert. And it's interesting to start thinking fantasy football um, in May. But you know what? It makes sense. If, if you're a fantasy football guru, if you're somebody who has four or five teams and is really into it, the schedule release makes a lot of sense for when you can start thinking about things of, you know, who do I maybe want to go after? Who's an under-the-radar team yeah. that it might be worth drafting I mean, some still... players from because they have an easier schedule? I, I don't I... 
I don't play it. But here's you're like, the thing. that's that's beyond me. Right. I'm I'm the crazy person I've right got here. The, this right here is the rookie roster for rookie tryouts Ooh. and the rookie class that it, that is here now today. So we, there's some of the there might be a name or two. Well, the draft class is on here, so those guys are going to be on the club. Um, and there's some guys trying out here. Uh, we don't even know what the final rosters are going to be. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's really interesting. Who would have thought last year that Christian Benford would have been on the field opening day as yeah. starting corner? Uh, things like that happen, and they happen every year. So for fantasy guys, you got to get on top of it and stay current, or you're going to get left behind. No yeah, question. you really do. Those projections are also cool to look at as well. Love that he has digs going over a thousand yards. Also, 632 rushing year yards for Josh Allen and six rushing touchdowns. I'm okay with a number like that. 113 attempts. Um, you know, Josh Allen's going to scramble. That's a that's a part of his game. Yeah, I, I don't, 113 attempts and zero hits would be nice. Yeah, yeah. sign me up for that, please. All right, we are hanging on for Sean McDermott and a couple of rookies to be available after rookie minicamp. Hopefully that happens within the next 15 to 20 minutes. You can hear it here on One Bills Live. We're going to take a break, but don't go anywhere. More schedule release chatter next on One Bills Live. We're presented by Kaleida Health on Buffalo Bills Radio. are giving two tickets to the 2023 home opener week two game against the Raiders away. Enter today at buffalobills.com forward slash home opener for the chance to win. The contest runs now until May 16th. That's going to be a hot ticket item to get as the Bills open their home schedule against the Raiders week two incredible weather game as well and we've got a lot mm-hmm. of people commenting on what they think about the schedule so let's jump into our tweet sheet which is presented by Corgan Moving Systems the official equipment moving systems of the Buffalo Bills and number one Cindy says it stinks she doesn't like the schedule <laughs> <laughs> opening game again on the road Jags go to London wanted to see that game Broncos Bucks are our home night games. Away schedule is brutal. Home schedule stinks. STH. I don't know what that I don't know what that acronym is. Shaking the head for twenty four years in this crap. Season Season ticket holder. holder. That's what it is. I got of course. Okay. Season ticket holder. Season ticket holder for twenty four years and this is crap. Cindy seems a little bit bitter, no question. Well, I can understand. If you wanted to see that the Jaguars game, you're right. Sending it to London stinks. Uh, you can see it coming a mile away, though, really. Uh, Broncos and Bucks home night games. Uh, I don't know why she won't. I mean, those are she two games that should be winnable. I don't know who else she would want for a night game. Maybe a bigger game. I don't know, a different Brent matchup. Cindy, I will go. say this. Brownie and I picked our top five games for the show that we taped yesterday. Mm -hmm. And our top five games were, of course, you're going to put the Eagles, Chiefs, and Bengals on there. And our two other ones were the Jets to open the season and the Dolphins to close the season. Those five games are all away games. It is a tough road schedule for the Bills. If you look at some of the biggest games, if you're already identifying what are going to be the biggest games on the schedule this year – those are the five top games, probably the some of the 
most toughest games that the Bills are going to be a part of this season, and they're all on the road. Maybe you wish, you know, one of those would have been a home game for the Bills. I can totally understand that. Well, the Jets and Dolphins, you get a home and home with You them. do, you do. But the Bengals, Eagles, and Chiefs, three of the top, and some people have them, one, two, three, three, two, one, two, one, three, whatever you want to mix those three up as the top teams in the league, and you've got them all on the road. Um, yeah, that's rough. <laughs> but you knew it was coming. I mean, you could see it from for weeks. We already knew what our away games You knew what they were going to be. So be. whenever that's they are, true. I mean, I don't know that it makes that much difference, except, you know, you got the Bengals and the Chiefs, and you get a bye week between them. So or that's, was that's it a Philly? little helpful. You get, yeah, let's see. You get, you get a uh, bye week in between the Eagles and Chiefs. Right. That's right. So there you go. Yeah. All right, and so so I, I don't know. I, we, I, I'm with you. We go from it stinks to Bill says I love it. A <laughs> lot of we've got a variety of thoughts here, which I'm a fan of. Bill says I love it. It makes me think of being an elementary school kid through my early 20s. You're an elementary school kid through your early 20s? What? No, he from the time he was an elementary school kid through the time he was <laughs> okay, in his early okay. 20s is what he's saying. <laughs> Used to get a lot of late window home games. <laughs> Haven't had many other than week 17 ones in a decade and a half. So, yeah. I'm, I'm glad Bill likes it. A lot of late window home games. Yeah. Um, okay. A lot in the front half of the season. Yeah. Bill was not saying he was in elementary school. I know. Into I'm, his I'm, I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> kidding. That was pretty funny, though. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, the Bills have got a ton of big window games. They are going to – everybody's going to be watching this team. They're going to get intimately familiar with Josh Allen, Steph Diggs, and crew. Uh, they're going to be at, on at 425, 820, 815, 830. I mean, all the night games. They've got a ton. Six primetime games mm-hmm. and four in a row, 425 window games. Um, you're not going to be able to get away from the Bills this this season on television. I know. John says, glad the Jets are week one. They won't have total team chemistry. Maybe we can flatten them. Continuity is a thing. It is. I think the Bills really showed that last year in the opener um, and in week two. The the Titans were going through a little bit of a transition, and the Rams were coming off a Super Bowl win, and they were hung over a little bit, no question. I think last year the entire season turned out that way, but they were healthy enough when the Bills played them with Matt Stafford in there and stuff, Um, you know, Aaron Donald, the whole crew, Jalen Ramsey. Mm Mm-hmm. And the Bills walked in there and played really well. Um, that has been one of the hallmarks of the Sean McDermott era. The team has usually gotten off to a really fast start, even despite two years ago when they lost on opening day to the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, they got over that real quick. And yeah. they, they, they were still, you know, had a lot of wins in the early in the season. So I'm, I'm with that. I, I think that is a plus for Buffalo rather than the Jets. Certainly Aaron Rodgers and the Jets are going to be really healthy, uh, probably without Brees Hall, but still they'll be healthy otherwise, and the Bills certainly should be as well, So, um, although they may be without Vaughn still. Yeah, 803-0550 is where you can reach us at. If you have some thoughts about the schedule and want to share those with us, please give us a call. The phone lines are open. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll discuss a little bit more schedule and hopefully hear from Sean McDermott and some rookies here. Soon enough, we're One Bills Live on Kaleida Health on Buffalo Bills Radio.
on Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. Welcome into One Bills Live, our final hour of the show on Friday afternoon. Maddie Glab alongside Steve Tasker, and the Bills are wrapping up rookie mini camp for today. That's going to go throughout the weekend. The guys were on the field getting some reps in, and a few of our rookies have actually signed their contracts. Five of them have signed Osiris Torrance, Dorian Williams, Justin Shorter, Nick Broker, and Alex Austin. Dalton Kincaid has not signed yet, but I would guess we will be announcing that soon once he signs. And Brandon Bean is now at the podium answering some questions after this first rookie mini camp practice. So let's go over to Brandon. Just ask you about Osiris Torrance again. Being yeah. that going from a power, group of five to a power five. Did you look at his Louisiana tape a lot to see how he transitioned to Florida? Yeah, definitely watched um, his last season there and then, um, you know, and, and see what the differences were, if there were any. I mean, honestly, his tape was pretty consistent at Louisiana Lafayette. And you didn't see like a, a drop in his level of play even going to Florida. That's, where, that's what gives you confidence. Definitely when you're – if he just stayed there the whole time, you know, it, you're going, okay, this is going to be a bigger jump. I still, still trust it or not, but I think it was an easier evaluation seeing him play against, you know, Jalen Carter and some of those guys at Georgia and, and obviously um, some of the other schools that they face in the SEC. And generally speaking, like over the years, how beneficial do you find these rookie mini camps in terms of players making transition and that, that sort of thing? Yeah, I mean, it's a hard, it's a hard one because these guys haven't been playing football. A lot of them. Some of them were not in all-star games. Some of them weren't in playoffs. Some of their seasons ended a long time ago, and so you try and warn them the best you can, uh, get in shape. But you know, we we already had a few guys that are cramping, and uh, they're going to get get in there and get some treatment. So it's it's hard. And the other part of it is, you got a you got a quite a, a wide-ranging skill set. You got you got guys trying out versus first-round pick sometimes you know and at different positions so um it's it's a harder evaluation for sure i was just talking to uh mike shula about when they drafted saquon and uh he was talking about watching saquon go against some of the guys he went against and they were just doing one-on-ones and he's like he was cooking dudes you know but so it's a it's a different level it's really you're just trying to the main thing teach them some things and see what they can learn, um, process, all that stuff, especially guys that are not um, some of the tryout guys. We do have serious interest. We, you know, every year we signed, I think last year, in- Jamarcus Ingram and Kingsley, you know, from this camp. So we've signed some guys in the past. We're definitely evaluating some of these other guys. And part of that is how are they mentally, you know, fitting? Is this going to be a big adjustment or are they picking it up pretty quick? Your impressions on Dalton Kincaid today? Uh, I thought he did a good job. Same thing. It's been a while for him because he had the, the back deal, which uh, you know eliminated a lot of his spring work. But uh, I thought he did a good job. Caught the ball easy. Moved, moved well. Um, again, it, you can't simulate this. He can work out. He can run on the track. He can run 40s. He can do everything. But uh, simulating what he's doing today, first time out. Um, like anything, there's some things that are rusty, and he's it's the first time he's applying things he's been taught, you know, just in a couple of days here of uh, what he's got to apply, you know, on the grass. So, uh, you know, overall, good job. He'll 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 be a sponge, and it'll it'll look easier and easier for him once he gets 
in with the vets starting next week. It's the first day. I'm sorry, what's, what's the that? path that led you to Shane Ray? He's a first-round pick from yeah. eight years ago. I know he's in the CFL, but how do you get to a guy like that here? Yeah, well, we're always looking at guys, and um, sometimes there's guys in his case that you may would just bring out. You guys see we worked out a player or whatever. This time of year, if you're – you know, we didn't, we didn't hit on any DNs after the draft as far as guys to sign, and so – um, that's why we were excited to get the kid, uh, Cameron Klein, uh, last week that we claimed uh, from Indy. And, and then, you know, we probably at some point may look to add a D-end between now and, and start a camp. And so we're just, instead of doing a workout, here's a guy out there. Uh, let's bring him in here for a couple days. Again, test his knowledge, test his skill set, see where he's at. And, um, you know, it's called, we call it kicking the tires. What was, uh, what was intriguing about D.J. Dale to sign him as an undrafted kid? Yeah, you know, um, he's just a, a steady Eddie-type uh, player there, strong against the run, shows some flashes of some rush. I would say he's more of a run player and just a, another body. When you ask the people at, at Alabama, like this was one of the leaders of, of the D-line room, there are just a lot of positives from personality, football, character, all those things that – uh, we think will help him as, you know, be a pro here. When the schedule comes out, what's the first thing you look for? Uh, week one is always who that is. Um, I look at our, you know, when do we play our division teams. I did look to see when we played the Dolphins this year to see, see if we had to go in the scorching heat or not, and I was excited to see that was a little bit later in the year. Um, and then the bye week. Yeah, that's probably the main things that immediately jump out. Can I ask you about that too because it was – it's been, what, since 2015 since we've covered an international game. Back then, there was a buy that you just had your buy after it. Yeah. Now you have a choice to decline that, right? Yeah. I mean, it seems like a week 13 buy given the stretch run, and it seems like it worked out. That decision worked out pretty well. Yeah, I think, Adam, we, we knew uh, talking to them when we were going to have a London game that it was going to be earlier in the year. If it was, if the London game was, you know, midseason or later, we probably would take it there, but as being week five, we just, you know, we decided, hey, if you can give us a home game on one on one side of it, which we got a home on both, uh, we would rather do that and get that break later in the season. The last couple of years, we've had those Thanksgiving games, so we've tried to work a, what we call a mini buy around that. But this year, getting the buy late, you know, we we like that setup. Dave, but is there anything or anybody that stood out to you out there seeing them run around with each other the first time? Yeah, I mean, nothing in particular. It's just more um, watching the guys move. Some guys, you know, some guys are, are moving a little easier than others, different skill sets too. So I don't want to call out a one, one or player. It's, it's one day, first time out. Um, tomorrow, you know, you look for, all right, who was consistently doing it right versus who had a good day today. Not a good day tomorrow, you know, or vice versa. I talked to you since the Puna Ford signing. Just what went? Where do you see him in the defensive line, and why? Why did you end up signing him? Yeah, Puna was a guy that um, we stayed very interested in, you know, through the free agent process, but couldn't get them uh, to to agree to my deal that we were working with some others on, and so we just stayed in contact, and and once we. You know, once we didn't get one from the draft, you know, you know, we stayed connected and, and said, all right, let's let's talk, you know, next week. And I know he had some interest and um, according to the agent, I believe 
he turned down a little bit more money to come here, so like that. And ultimately, he's a guy that's he's a pro. He's started a lot of games. Um, he's a really good run player. I think he can help in the rush. At a minimum, he's pushing that pocket to keep that quarterback from stepping up. Um, you know, he's not an elusive guy in there, but he's stout, plays good. He helps, you know, your whole group with the rush that's in there. Again, he helps you get to third down by stopping that run. With you about, like, post-draft about, you know, you had said that signing someone to that defensive tackle, you know, or drafting or whatever, yeah. there's still no one under contract past this, you know, like, past yeah. the season. That is that something that you feel like you need to address, like, before the season? Like, how much of an urgency is that? Yeah, I mean, listen, there. I would like to not end the season, you know, by the end of the season and, and be at zero. Um, that would That would be my hope. But it would have to make sense, you know, if it's somebody that's here um, now, it would have to make sense to do an extension, you know, with any of those guys. So we'll see. You, you know me well. You know, we've we found a way to sometimes do an extension or two, you know, in training camp. So, um, you know, maybe we look at it at that point, see where the guys are at, who's who's all in, who's who's looking good. And and if there's a chance to get one extended, um, we might would look to do that. Uh, Rob Boris working with Kincaid a little bit individually. How much can this time help when the vets aren't here that they can work a little more closely together? Yeah, I think right now it's um, you're hoping to get that transition. He's not going to be up to speed with the playbook and some of the concepts that we use. You know, we kind of evaluated his skill set. We saw how Utah used him. We'll use him in some of the same ways, but some of our route concepts, you know, you're kind of trying that out, experimenting with him a little bit. What he what he can do well, you know what he can't. So, just trying to really get him up to speed so that, you know, next week still phase two, but the following week we start these OTAs, and so when he's out there with with Josh and the other quarterbacks, that hopefully that's a little more natural, you know, by that point. Uh, Shorter was the number one high school recruit at wide receiver coming out of coming out of high school. I mean, not too many guys can say that. So, I mean, he's been an impressive athlete for a long time. Do you feel like maybe there's a little bit more there to unlock than than what you know maybe he showed at times in college? Yeah, I think you know. I, again, you never know their journeys. Um, I was talking to Sal about this a while ago. These are these are not robots, and we weren't talking about him, but just players. You know, these are not robots. Life happens to people for various reasons, and some sometimes people hit obstacles or whatever. But we feel that his best football you know, could and should be ahead of him if he puts in the work. Really liked him. We brought him in for the 30 visit. Really felt like this was our kind of DNA, being around him a little bit more. And that he he acknowledged that there's more in his game. That And so hopefully working with Coach Henry and, and, and Dorsey and all those guys that we can grow him. But it also gives us some confidence. The guy's been a really good fourth down player in college. And a lot of times that's how guys, they get that jersey on game day. And so they've got to know the offense or they got to know the defense. And ultimately, at some point, they're going to be in the game and Josh Allen's going to have to throw to him. So a lot's on him. We believe in him. Uh, you can see with his, you know, he's a, he's a pretty looking dude, uh, you know, up on him. You know, you, you, like, you like the build. And so we just got to uh, work with him. But we like his DNA and think there's some good upside, Jay. And when the, when the veterans come to town in a couple of weeks for, the, for these practices, what's your initial plan with Osiris in terms of left versus right? Where do you want to begin him? We'll move. You know, we we don't usually just put him in one. So I would say um, definitely the two guards and just 
uh, let him move around. And, you know, it's going to be a competition, you know, between now and, and when we start the season, you know, at guard. We got some guys, again, between him, Bates. Uh, we signed McGovern. David Edwards played a lot. Um, Ike Bucker's back. I mean, we, we, we like our depth there. And we've made no promises to anybody. You know, it's going to be the best man wins. And it's the same thing at the, you know, the corner position last year. We, we threw several bodies at it. We brought Dane back. We brought Christian Benford in. We drafted Kair. We don't care where, how we got you. And we're just going to line them up and best man wins. Man, when uh, how high are you on uh, Tyrell um, Shavers? Yeah, I mean we we like the, he's got a skill set, and and that's why uh, we we signed him after the draft. And so ultimately, um, you know, there's always the there's always a lot of different styles of receivers now. Again, I've talked about with seven on sevens. There's so many different ones. You got inside out and um, outside to in. So he's just another guy who had some success in college. I was not able to spend much time in the pre-draft process around him, and so um, we think he his skill set, you know, gives him a chance at least to compete. And then, you know, those guys if they don't make it, you hope it's a guy that you say, man, I want this guy on my practice squad. Last one. What have, what have you learned about Dalton? I know you just said it's been a couple of days, right? So it's very early on in the process. But what have you learned just having him in the building, seeing him out on the practice field? that kind of goes with the scouting that you did, everything that you did leading up to the draft, and then to get him to a position to be ready to have an impact once the season starts. Yeah, the thing I've noticed about him being around him a little bit more from bringing him in is he's steady Eddie. Like, um, he, he catches the ball. I don't I don't know if I ever saw him, like, give some fist pump. But if he drops the ball, like he, he did one on a little end breaker, hit him. He, did, he didn't drop that. You don't see him, like, pouting or getting his hand. Goes right back out there. The next ball's over the middle, plucks it. Like, I like that. Like, he's just uh, next play. And um, that's kind of when you talk to him, like, yeah, cool. You're almost like, are you ready? Are you fired up? Like, he's just like this. But I think that's part of what makes him a good player. And so that's, that's the early um, return that I've got on him. He's just, he's just soaking it in, coming in, working just like he's an undrafted kid, like mouth shut, you know, head down, eyes up. That's what I see. All right, that's general manager Brandon Bean on his takeaways from the first practice of rookie minicamp. These guys will be here throughout the weekend. Several UDFAs and tryout players also a part of the rookie minicamp roster. So there's several guys out there. It's not it's not a small bunch uh, at all because they have a lot of guys trying out for spots on this roster throughout the rest of the offseason and possibly even into the regular season. We've got some callers hanging on the line, so let's go to Jerry, who has been been hanging on for a little while. Jerry, you're on with us. What do you have um, for us about the schedule? What do you think of the way that it's laid out, and what do you think of some of the opponents? Maddie, it's so nice to talk to you. Good to talk to you as well. Uh, you, you've kind of become the sweetheart of the Bills. <laughs> thank Hi, you. Steve. Hey, how you doing? Um, I'm, doing I'm doing well, thank you. Um, uh, oh, my God, it's scary. The, 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 I think this is a very scary schedule. Um I think pretty. We're definitely going to be either either be a participant or be playing one of the participants of the Super Bowl. I, I do believe uh, this season. Um, a, cu- a couple of other things I'd just like to say. Would you please pass on to uh, Chris Brown that 
They do sell black and white cookies. He mentioned that a couple of months ago uh, at Wegmans. <laughs> I'll definitely and pass that I would on. Lo- I, and I would and I would love to. Sean would humor me just once. I've been calling this a couple of times. Steve might remember. I would just love just once to see Ed Oliver play on the edge with the with the speed and everything. Just see how he how that would work. But that's all I got to say. I'll listen to what your uh, response are. Thanks for taking my call, guys. All right. Thanks, thanks for the call, Jerry. Yeah, we knew it was going to be a tough schedule. We knew the opponents going in. We knew the home was in a way and everything. Um, now knowing when they are, I, I think is it's fun. And knowing how interested everybody else outside of Bill's Mafia is in watching the team, which mm-hmm. it seems like everybody, um, that's kind of fun. But we knew it was going to be a tough schedule. We knew the Bengals were on it. We knew the Chiefs were on it. We knew uh, the Jets and the Dolphins and the Eagles, all those teams. Uh, so you knew it was going to be tough. And seeing it all laid out in order, there's a couple of things. Yes, it is. there are difficult teams to play. There are difficult team, games to win. But this is also a team that there are a lot of people on our schedule that have this game with the Bills scheduled, yeah. uh, circled. So – they got to play us, too. They're ready for a challenge like yeah. this. This team is battle-tested. They've been through it the last couple of years, and, and they're ready for um, a, a couple of games that are going to be tougher games, that are going to be against teams who are in the Super Bowl and a lot of playoff contending teams that were playoff teams from last year that will be this year again. Um, it all kind of starts to take shape a little bit more meaning when you start to see it and how it's organized. I know we've known those opponents for a while, but once you see it kind of laid out week by week, it starts to take a different type of shape and a different type of meaning um, as we inch closer and closer. I'm not going to say to the season yet, but to training camp here in a couple of months. We have got Osiris Torrance. He's been meeting with the media. So let's go over to one of the newest draft picks on the offensive line. Here's Osiris. I'm with your boys. Uh, it, feel, it feel great to be out there just in a football environment again, just being out there with the ball down, going through like actual football plays other than like combine training, what I've been doing for the last few months. So it feel great. Anything different than college minicamp? Um, probably the um, – the technique, the technique part, and just the more like, attention to details on the little things. Like I could say it's probably the more, it's probably the most different part of it so far. So you're working with um, Aaron Cromer a little bit. Have you had what were your interactions with Coach Cromer before you came here? What was it like out there with him today? Uh, it was kind of the same as it was going through the whole draft process. His personality, the type of coach he is, it's kind of the same feeling I got of when I met him at the combine and other times before before uh, I was picked here. So it was just um, good and just fun actually just being out there in the environment. Being coached by him. Well, sorry, I talked about first impressions a second ago. Um, is this pretty much what you expected? And, and how valuable do you think? I suppose you won't know until the veterans join. But how valuable do you think this time is as you as you transition to the National Football League? Um, I, I think I think it's real valuable. It's kind of like just getting a, a, a I want to say a fresh start, but like a, just a pre run of how everything's going to be with um when the, uh, other guys get here and just kind of. Give me a chance to learn offense, to feel comfortable in the offense, to learn the plays and things like that. I feel like this whole time is very important for me to get down the basic of the offense so I could play as fast as I can when everybody else get here and have a chance. Mm-hmm. How much of is this, this process that you've been able to digest? I mean, from 
playing your last game at Florida to, you know, to, to, to training, to you know, going to visits to all types of organizations, getting drafted, and then now all of a sudden you're here in the Bills uniform. Uh, it, it's been a lot. Uh, I actually thought about it last night. That I mean, it's been a long ride since my last game, but honestly, I, I just try to take it one day at a time and just enjoy it because I hear it on um, – that's what a lot of guys been telling me, like just enjoy the time because they go by fast. And before I wouldn't believe it, but when I think about it, my freshman in college, they told me the same thing, and then it went by fast. So like, right now, I'm just kind of just enjoy taking one day at a time. How do Cromer's techniques and what he's teaching you compare to what you've been doing through your college career? Oh, uh, it's a, it's a little different because of he um, he used techniques based off like our body types. So like some guys are a little more powerful or quicker, so like these different techniques. So I just, I like how he um, kind of flexible with it. Like you don't have to do it a certain way. You just like prefer you do it this way or just, he can, you can tweak his techniques a little bit to fit the way your play style is. So I, I, I like it. So even if, even if it's the same guy playing your position, like both playing left guard, let's say, maybe a bigger guy or a smaller guy, he might teach it differently because it's more conducive to that body type? Yeah, basically, yeah. So I, I, I like that type of um, culture, how he does it. Just give me the, Kind of like put me in the best position to be the best player I can be. Yeah. Now, were you comfortable playing on the left side today? I see you over there on the left side a little bit. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm more comfortable on the right, but today was more of just trying to get good at, with, with the left because uh, I play way more right. So, just coaches want me to like do a, like the individual drills and indie stuff like that, and, um, mostly the left. And the team, I was mostly right. We're just switching the left like a few plays, not too many, but throughout the whole time, I plan on working both sides. College. In college, when you made the jump to Florida, you changed level of competition a little bit. Do you think that kind of prepares you more recently to make another jump in level of competition here? Uh, yeah, I definitely do. Um, because of how how the side situation was, from me leaving Lafayette to going to Florida, beating new people and things, it's kind of the same here. Like I was training with the same people I knew every day for the combine, then we all left, and now we're at different places, and kind of feel like the same type of vibe. So I came here and like meet new people. It's kind of like the same feel, and I feel like it definitely got me ready for that and kind of know what to expect in a different environment with new people, how to um, how to learn people and how to move around and stuff like this. So it definitely helped me out. I know you just said you were here to meet new people, but playing with Richard Garage again, what was that like today? Oh, that, it, it was fun just being able to um, go out there and practice with him again. I mean, in college, you know, you know, like, we knew our, it was our last year and the chances of us playing together was like, wasn't real high, but the fact that we actually was out there again and, and we, um, I was at right go, he was at um, right tackle, just playing on action on side of each other. Cause in college, um, at Florida, we didn't get to play on side of each other because I was at right, he was at left. But being out there, the actual playing on side on was like, it was, it was fun. Just like, I go out there and have fun with my brother. So, yeah. When did you, sorry, when did you find out he would be out here? Like, what was that like? Did you find out him or from the team? Uh, I found out, I think I found out from, uh, from the coach when we was doing uh, interviews and stuff, uh, not when we was doing meetings and stuff over Zoom before I came up here. I found out then. So, that's on. Um, so, since then, I kind of just been talking to him about it, kind of like catching with the speed on the plays and things like that. So, when we come in, we can, like, be able to play our best. Is it like having multiple of your former teammates like go through this with you? Like, not a lot of guys get to like have college teammates come to the next level with them. What's it, has it helped to like have guys you know already like going through it at the same time? Uh, I, f- I feel like it definitely helps. Just even if it don't help a lot, just a little bit. Just seeing a familiar face and every now and then, especially on the um, on the team, it just gives you somebody that you can talk to. I mean, other guys we're gonna eventually build a relationship with them, but coming in like first two three days is like gonna be the hardest day. So having somebody you can talk to that you been around for the last year and I got that in Shorter and Richard so having this to be able to talk to somebody get that on just be able to kind of like relax at the end of the day and talk about how it was things like that just reminisce kind of like 
makes it a little bit easier and just makes it not as taxing as it can be. So, it's, yeah, I like it. Familiarity, did the cat make the trip? <laughs> oh, uh, no, not yet. I'm, I'm going to get up for soon, though, for sure. All right, that was offensive lineman Osiris Torrance. He has got a great personality. It's been fun to interview him a couple times. I think he's going to be a great addition to this offensive line and the locker room as well. Love the question at the end about asking if his cat is already here. He's a big cat person. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So soon enough, his cat will make the trip to Buffalo. Yeah, it's it's something that it was striking. It's striking to most of these young guys when they get drafted to come in to try out – they realize that, you know, they work so hard physically and they keep staying in shape. They want to show up strong and fast and they, they work on their 40 times and the technique and all that stuff yep. about running. They get here and I think most of them are surprised that athletically they're beyond ready. I think the thing that gets them is the entire league is made up of guys like that and it, it's now from the neck up. And the mental stress they put these guys under and the guys that put them under, put themselves under to get it get the offense, get the techniques, mm-hmm. get the words, understand the play call, do all that, and get it right mentally along with the technique and playing at a high level, the mental stress wears you out. Yeah. Wears it's, you out. It's slow motion for yeah. these guys right now trying to put everything together. And I'm glad they get a weekend where it's just them figuring everything out before yeah. OTAs begin here soon enough. Um later in May and, and into June. We're going to take a break. When we come back here, we might hear from a few more rookies or answer some phone calls, so don't go anywhere. We're One Bills Live, presented by Clyda Health on Buffalo Bills Radio. We're back here on One Bills Live. A ton to talk about today from the schedule release to rookie minicamp. We're jumping back and forth between both uh, because there is so much going on here this week. We've got Kevin who's been hanging on the line for a while. So let's go over to Kevin from Hamburg. Kevin, you're on with us now. How are you doing? How are you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Doing great. How are you doing, Kevin? I'm doing good. Two things I like about the schedule. I know sweat bowl game, thank God. That's good. You don't have to worry about guys puking on the sideline like they did last <laughs> year in the Miami game and Dow dro- dropping over. Um, and I'm glad the Bengal game is before the holidays because the last thing you want to do with your player is get your gut full of turkey and then be like if it would have been the weekend of the Eagles <laughs> or like the weekend of Christmas. So I'm glad they got out of there before the main holidays thing. The thing I don't like and now, Maddie, I'm going to add on what you said about wishing to buy was before Halloween or around Halloween. Is I think they could have used that extra bend that weekend to maybe even get some sports psychologists to talk to the people about what happened. Because I think that's going to be a bigger mental hurdle than any sprain or strain or hamstring. And I think you could have done better had it been that weekend, like you said, Maddie, to get the guys ready that this is where – that happened, you know what I mean, and all that. So I'm going to hang up and let you talk then. 
All right. Thanks so much for the call, Kevin. And and yeah, they. It's nice that even though the buy is later in the season, you do get that mini buy heading into the Bengals game since the Bills will be facing the Bucks on Thursday night. And also nice that that's a home game against the Bucks on Thursday night, Week Eight, and then Week Nine you've got uh, a game against the Bengals on NBC. That's an eight twenty kick. So you do get a couple extra days um, baked in there. At that point in the season, it is interesting to see how the coaching staff treats extra days, depending on how healthy or injured the team is sometimes, and depending on what the record is. Sometimes those guys will get a couple of extra days off because they've earned it, or maybe they need a couple days off just to rest and rehab and get ready for a game like they're going to have against the Cincinnati Bengals. This has been a team that the Bills haven't been able to beat since Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase stepped on the stage and on the scene. Yeah, I think one of the things about that game at Cincinnati, you can bet that they're going to attack that on the mental side of the team as well. Um, You can bet they'll stay in a different hotel. They'll change up some things about the pregame. Anything they can, they can do to distance themselves from from what happened. That's that's a game where would you say Sean McDermott loves being on being on routine schedule and the repetition and doing schedule staying, up. staying in the same places like you said you know they stay in a lot of the same hotels when, when they face these teams again especially AFC East teams but would you say that's a game where you don't necessarily want to do the same things as you did the last time that you played the Bengals right this, in that city they'll stay in a different hotel than they did on the Monday night game last year They'll do some some things differently, but I think you know that's about as far as you can go. The right. schedule and everything will okay. be a routine that the players will mm-hmm. be used to, and they'll be fine with. The fact that they, that they don't stay in that same hotel, I think, will go a long way as well towards distancing themselves from what happened on Monday night last year. So I, I would anticipate that's what they do. Everything else, they'll try and keep it as normal as possible. And like we said, it's in week nine, so there's going to be a lot of football and a lot of water under the bridge yeah. in between. So that'll help as well. Plus this entire off season. Um, but I think it, <clears throat> there's no way the guys that were there last year in that Monday night game are going to completely be free of it. And we'll see how much it affects them. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to the tweet sheet because we've got several more responses about the schedule as well as our mailbag on this Friday afternoon. Jack says that he loves that we finally get some home for 25 games. Said it's A, it's nice to have some more time to get there in tailgate. B, it's novel. We haven't had many home 425 games in the last 20 years. And C, that the game that most of the country watches, the highest rated of the week, that means that we have arrived. And and you're certainly correct about all those points about 4 o'clock, 425 games, and the fact that the Bills have some of those at home. Um, It's nice to, and from a standpoint of us working the game, it's not as early of a morning for, for us and, and for the tailgaters. I know by the time that I'm heading into the stadium, you guys are well into your tailgate early in the morning. So, so you get a chance to start that a little bit later. You're not, you're not out of here too late. Um, we don't get done with the shows too late, even with a 425 kick. One o'clock games are awesome, but I'm excited to have several four o'clock games this season because in the last couple of years, we've maybe had one on the schedule. It's interesting. Only. I don't know that there's anything left other than, you know, AFC winning the AFC championship or going to the Super Bowl or winning the Super Bowl. Nothing short of those things that 
would trumpet anything more than we've already seen this team as to to signal that they've arrived. Yeah. I mean, I think they've arrived. They play on Thanksgiving the last two or three years in a row. They get Monday night games last year. For goodness sake, they had six primetime games last year. Um, they just, you know, I, I don't think there's any question this is a team that people are looking to see what they're doing um, nationally. They're at the top of the list of teams that are thought of to be able to go to and win it. So I don't think – yeah, I get it. 425 games at home and all that stuff, it's it's kind of a big deal. It is. Uh, but I don't know that – I mean, I think we have we arrived like three years yeah. ago. Um, this is just one more evidence that we're still there. I think about it in a way of they've been there, but these 425 games, you wonder if you get to play in front of and, and be in the home of – when people turn their TVs on and are watching games on Sunday, if you get front and center stage to any different NFL fans, and if if this could, you know, every year we we welcome more Bills fans to our family, and you kind of wonder, I do at least, playing uh, in so many 4 o'clock game windows, um, if you add some more fans to the fan base because of the fact that you're playing – during a time where you do have several eyes on a game like that. And it's a window that the Bills haven't been a part of a lot, um, at least in the last few years. We've got a mailbag question. Um, It's an interesting one, Steve. A little bit of football X's and O's, I would say. (laughs) Why does the middle linebacker call the plays? Why can't someone else call them? That's from Robert. Uh, It makes sense logistically because it's standing in the middle of the of the defense. Yeah. So if something changes and he has to yell, everybody's equidistant from him. It's that simple. And also, it's a it's a transition between the s- defensive backs and the front. The front and the pass rush where they line up, how they line up and the s- paths they take to the quarterback or in run defense has to mesh with the coverage in the back end. So you don't want the coverage rolling to the right and the front rolling to the right. Because then all of a sudden, if they run the ball to the left, you don't have anybody over there. You've got to make sure that there's a guy in the at the seam of that between the front and the back to make sure that a coverage isn't run in the back end that doesn't mesh well with the front. Linebacker's an easy way to do that. Plus, like I said, if something happens, you've got to change it up. You've got to have somebody that's in the middle of it can yell at everybody at the same time. And... That's not easy to do in a stadium that's that's loud. So it's it's really that simple. Um, and there's you know I, I'll I won't, I'll admit too there's a little tradition involved with it, no question. Uh, but getting the front guys to run a front and a stunt and a scheme that meshes with the back makes sure you don't have any empty zones in coverage, and you don't leave have a guy running free with nobody guarding him. It takes a guy. It takes communication to do that, and it's really as simple as having a guy who can, who's as close to anybody as he is to everybody else, and he can yell it. That's that. It's that simple. All right, there you have it. Going to football school with Steve Tasker. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to close things up here on One Bills Live as we welcome the weekend. Stick with us here. We're presented by Clyde Health on Buffalo Bills Radio.
right, we're back on One Bills Live as we close up the shop for the weekend, but it's going to be busy here throughout the weekend as rookie minicamp continues on. These guys will be in and out of the building throughout the entire weekend, and these are long days for these players, too. I mean, oh, yesterday man. we had um, rookie media day, so we have the guys go through uh, different types of setups and do some interviews and do some headshots and all of that so we're ready for the season and it just makes sense to do it in the off season um, when these guys actually have the time in their schedules but they are in and out of meetings and they're in and out of doing things and just trying to get the lay of the land and, and I was helping rookies like find their way around the building yesterday because I remember being a rookie here and being in my first <laughs> few weeks and not knowing anywhere of where to go or, or how to get to the indoor field or how to get the, to the practice field field um so like you said with them having to put all of this together it's it's the first time they can truly call this place home you get drafted by the bills but it's been a couple weeks since the nfl draft and, and now they're here in buffalo with all of their things and they're getting to meet their teammates for the first time in person and they're getting to really dive into things with the coaching staff they get the playbook and between all of that, it is mentally exhausting for these guys who are entering their first year in the NFL. Yeah, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. They're on the field running around. In fact, you get on the football field and they don't know, you know, they're just trying to line up right, learning <laughs> the drills, learning how the team warms up, what drills their coaches like to do to warm them up, all of that stuff. Then they also, you know, finding meetings and getting to know their uh, the assistant coaches on the staff. And, and it's interesting, too, you know, there's like 50 guys here for this rookie mini camp. There's going to be like 10 of these guys in training camp. I know. 10 of them. All these other guys, most of these guys are not going to be here. Um, and it's just, you know, the draft picks, and of course, they'll be here. And there's some other rookies that are not draft picks that are also on board, but mm -hmm. that were here last year. They're just dipping their toe in the water. And there's a lot going on. They got to find, you know, they got to think about a place to live, think about where they're staying, think about their family, think about travel, think about. And, and then trying to be a pro foot, pro football player on top of it. It's, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a, it's a lot to put together. It's a lot to figure out. It's a lot just your first three days, first few days with anything that you're new, um, doing new in life. Um, so it'll be a whirlwind for these guys. But soon enough, OTAs right around the corner. We hope you guys have an incredible weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday afternoon. Hey.